Well, history made on Monday night, April the 5th. But it's not the history that we thought that it was going to be. It's the Baylor Bears who win the 2021 COVID-compressed unique NCAA tournament now complete with a win over previously unbeaten Gonzaga, 86-70. Welcome in to the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast-to-coast. We're immediately after the national championship win, the first ever for the Baylor Bears, and they knock off Gonzaga in Indianapolis. What is it about the Circle City that now three times a team has come to that town with a chance to match the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers and win a national title while being undefeated? And three times UNLV along with Kentucky and now Gonzaga, they have left hanging their head. Gonzaga got to the title game where the running Rebs and the Wildcats did not but it still didn't matter. This was a freight train job by Baylor on Monday night and a victory for them. So welcome in, however you found us, social media link uh, through the uh, TuneIn free app on the Tag Sports Group channel, streaming top and bottom of the hour. Reminder, this podcast is also available via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. Make sure you subscribe because we're going to have more programming as Tuesday unfolds as well. We're doing this one in the middle of the night, Eastern time on Monday night to have it out right away. And this gives me the opportunity to welcome in my guest. Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast is hanging with me. Good to have you on the program, sir, as Baylor has gotten the win. How are things? Things are good. Things are good. The party is underway in Waco. Yes, it is. We saw that. Uh, we, we saw some shots at the end of the broadcast on CBS. Hopefully they'll behave and do it uh, modestly. From Indianapolis, he's in the Circle City. He got some feel. He got some flavors, some vibes in and around uh, Lucas Oil Stadium all throughout the weekend. Deshaun Tate of Tate's Take, the Hoop Show and Podcast. Brother Tate, good to have you here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. And an opening thought on what we just saw, please. No, appreciate you for having me. I think that the uh, the UCLA Gonzaga game had a little bit more a feel as if a national championship game was taking place. But listen, you got to certainly give credit to where it's due in terms of talking about uh, Baylor. I mean, we've been hearing about Gonzaga and what they are all year long. And just to get to this point and be able to uh, take down the Zags, you got to give them some credit because when you start factoring in the game that they just had against Houston, you combine that with this game here, 35 points combined. I mean, it was a job, and they took the they, they wrapped the napkins around the neck on Gonzaga. <laughs> That's your phrase for the 2021 tournament you keep bringing here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. They destroyed both of them. Matt Zimmick is also here. Matt from uh, the USC Trojans Wire website and the USA Today family of uh, Sports Wire websites. Great uh, college basketball historian in mind. I love his insight. My friend, it was such an epic game the other night with UCLA, but tonight it was no contest. I guess that's the first thing to use uh, to you. Uh, and the first thing that we're going to start with is it was no contest with Baylor clobbering Gonzaga, Matt. Well, the first thought that comes to mind is that, you know, people were saying Gonzaga looked tired and maybe so. But the thing to note in these kind of situations, it's not the physical side, which presents the fatigue. It's the mental side. It's the strain. Gonzaga had to not only go through that emotional whirlwind after the UCLA game, that was hard enough, 
but then it had to flush out those emotions and reset. Now, now try doing that on the short turnaround. It's really the mental side that, that emerges in these kinds of situations. It, you know, physically, that was not a, a physical game. That was not a bruising game. That was a fast paced open court game with lots of made 15 foot jumpers. UCLA stayed in that game with made jump shots. It was not a brutal game. The mental side is what really fried Gonzaga. And meanwhile, Baylor had that primrose path through Houston. So it's the mental side. We need to make light of that. Um, I cover tennis, as you know, and I made note early in the, in the first half that when you try to beat Federer, Djokovic, Nadal at the same tournament, you know, it's so tough. You can beat one, but then to play, if you play the next one in the next match, that the mental side of that is what really gets you because you just have to pour so much mental energy into beating one. You then have to fill the tank the very next time you're out there for another elite all-time competitor. That's the sandwich that Gonzaga got trapped in. I think it's a good point that you make, although there are numerous examples of teams who have been able to do it. I was just thinking while you were saying that, that Arizona also in Indianapolis beat three number one seeds and won an overtime game with a one seed Kentucky. They got up for it. Lute Olson's team, the late Lute Olson, led by Miles Simon. Uh, you can make analogies with other teams. I mean, I'm wearing the Buccaneer logo right now. Part of my uh, fall gigs and duties are working with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they spent so much emotionally in these past NFL playoffs, beating New Orleans at New Orleans in the playoffs, Green Bay at Lambeau Field in the NFC title game, and everybody wondered, how, are they spent? And maybe the extra week for football, two weeks to reload for the Super Bowl and having the game at home had something to do with it. But the Bucs also dispelled that whole thing on getting up. These are college kids. I understand your point. Matt Zimmick and two days later, Gonzaga did not look like the same team. Let me credit Jason Powers, who is nodding along. You said on this show 48 hours ago, right after the semifinal epic game, if they don't win the championship game, it's like Herb Brooks telling the USA hockey team in 1980, you're going to take it to your bleeping grave that you didn't win the game. I bow to you that you were onto that two days ago. And sure enough, Gonzaga doesn't get it done. And, and even on the, on the CBS broadcast, Nance brought it up that he had met, talked to Mark few about it in a, in their pre pregame talk. And he mentioned the USA hockey team as well. So and how about the line? Did you get the line from Mark Few? We I aren't missed. playing. We aren't playing Finland. We're playing Baylor. Baylor is better than Finland, <laughs> and he's right. He's right, as it turns <laughs> out. But I, I will say the one thing that I noticed early on. I don't know if I don't think it was a fatigue thing, but you could just tell the quickness of the perimeter players for Baylor was a half step better than the Gonzaga guys. Nemhart, Kispert, they were just overmatched from a quickness and athleticism perspective from Butler. Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague. I thought that was a big – and I don't think it was a fatigue factor. I just think it was just more athleticism that Gonzaga had, had not been exposed to very often. Voice of Jason Powers. Find him at JPO Sports. Jason Powers on Sports. It's the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm coming to Deshaun Tate, Mr. Tate's Take in Indianapolis. Uh, follow up on what Jason was talking about. Uh, from my standpoint, I thought that they were a little bit in a fog and Baylor jumped all over them for loose balls, steals. Deshaun, what did you see out of the first five minutes or so where it became 11 to 1? It eventually became 29 to 10 for Baylor. Deshaun? Yeah, between you and Jason, I guess you guys have probably been peeking inside of my answer key. I'm going to have to start lock, 
locking my doors up at night. I think that it was certainly a little bit too much athleticism. I think experience had a big part to do with that as well. As far as Baylor goes, just too hungry after loose balls by loose balls and second chance points and so forth. I mean, listen, getting out rebounded like crazy when you start talking about how they were outscored on the bench. That was one of my biggest things coming into this game. Can you continue to get Drew Timmy into foul trouble? I think UCLA did a good job of that on yesterday. Uh, I think that that could have potentially been part of the blueprint that was set up for Baylor's scheme on today. He almost fouled out again on today uh, and, and, and really just, playing more physical than, than, than Gonzaga was. Uh, we can sit back and say, oh, well, maybe they were tired or this and that. Nobody was saying that about UCLA uh, leading into uh, the national semifinal game. Great so I don't point. think there's going to be much of an excuse there. Listen, shooting 51% as not really bad as Gonzaga played, because I don't think they played terrible. I just think that the other team played better. 29% from three is not going to do you much better when you have the, uh, the opposition that is much more balanced than you on both sides of the ball. They were just hungrier and they wanted it a little bit more. And I think that it shows in the final score tonight. Follow that man at Tate's take hoops on Twitter. Love Deshaun's insight on podcast form, his live shows that he does. Matt Zimmick, uh, Baylor began the game five of five from three point range. One of the key ingredients all throughout the tournaments, plural of the last few years who's making shots Baylor just kept making shots all through the tournament uh at the beginning of the Houston game in the first half they were making shots this game they were making shots elaborate on the three-point shooting at one point it was 10 made threes for Baylor to just one for Gonzaga it was a big deal yeah well you know Gonzaga did not does not play lockdown defense I mean the Zags win because they hang 90 on you every time out and uh so you know, they, Gonzaga needed to have a great three-point shooting night. And, you know, Gonzaga has not needed to shoot threes because Gonzaga is the best two-point shooting team in the country. Gonzaga can get to the rim at will pretty much against everyone. Hasn't needed to have a night where it goes nuts from three. But this was the night, and I thought Corey Kispert was going to have to have a great night for Gonzaga, and he didn't. You know, when we talk about NCAA tournament championships and what goes into winning it all, not winning four games, not winning five games, but winning all six, you need each guy in the parade to have that one great game. Suggs had a great game. Timmy had a great game. Ayayi had a great game. Tonight was Kispert. He had to be the guy to step up. He didn't, and we saw the results. That's yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't just put it all on his feet, but it's a good point that when Suggs got the early fouls, they were looking yeah. for somebody somewhere to step up and give them a little bonus. And it just didn't happen in the first half when they fell so far behind. I'm I'm looking while we single out Kispert. He finished five twelve, 12 from the floor, twelve points in the game. And, and probably eight of those TJ were garbage points when the there game was eighteen to twenty. Like two you Matt's said, point. Matt, they needed Kispert and Ayayi when it's when it's 21 to 10, when it's, you know, when, when they're down 10 or 12, not when they're down 19 or 20 with six minutes to go and the game's over. That, those were the two guys to me that you had to have that helps Suggs on the perimeter and to be able to open up the space for Timmy to do his work in the low post. They got crushed on the boards. Deshaun's point, 38-22 on the boards for, for Baylor, 16-5 on the offensive boards for Baylor. Mark Vidal was a huge, huge factor in this game. First two possessions, offensive rebound, offensive rebound. 
Again, some great analysis from my guys here on college basketball, coast to coast. Uh, Deshaun, let me come back to you uh, here on on this point. What Scott Drew has done, what he's assembled, we talked a lot about it with Tyler Jones uh, on the Saturday night show. We've talked about it the last couple of days. Uh, Mark Wise had some thoughts on it. I, I want your take on this. They were, they were showing it towards the end of the game on the CBS broadcast he showed up at a program that was in shambles after the the murder of one of their players, um, Patrick Dennehy, uh, the, the Dave Bliss disaster in and around that. They essentially, Deshaun, got the death penalty without getting the death penalty. They let him essentially be dead man walking program for about three years. This has been a process, but Baylor has gotten now to an elite level and has now won a national championship. Deshaun, start us off. Say some more about Scott Drew because they deserve all the praise they're getting now, and they no one can take this away from them now winning a national championship. That's true, and not only, not, not only that, but not even me, a person that feels like that Scott Drew had been very vulnerable to being outcoached uh, throughout many times in the NCAA tournament. It was proven to me over and over again one of the reasons that I did not pick them going into this NCAA tournament. So he certainly proved me wrong there. Not only that, the job that they are doing in terms of recruiting, also getting transfers, had a lot of really good guys that have come through that program. A lot of pros, good NBA players, guys is going and making themselves a lot of money internationally and amongst other things, even on the football field with Rico Gather. So he gets some really good, tough and physical players as well. Uh, so you definitely have to give him credit. You know, the, he can't be in that same conversation anymore. He finally get a chance to kind of pull up a seat to the table amongst some of the other ones. Maybe even Jim Beheim, who's only got one national championship the last time I checked. So uh, definitely in that same conversation. And I'll say this other thing. This is what I'm kind of curious about, just to piggyback a little bit. When we're talking about Gonzaga. OK, where does where, where, where does this result now? Where is that in the minds of those of for future selection Sundays when it comes time to fill out that bracket and they have another good run or another good, you know, recruiting class or whatever the case may be? Is there going to be that skepticism of people saying they still just can't get it? I'm not sure. They can't do anything better than what they did this year. They were unbeaten. Right. I'm not sure how much more impressive that they could even possibly be for future uh, for future selection Sundays. And. Uh, I think that that's something that I'm not totally mad at people for uh, hesitating on. Well, again, they've gotten to the title game twice, and you make an excellent point. If you're ever going to think they're going to win it, it's going to be this year when they were undefeated and got all the way to the title game that didn't get done. Jason Powers, you had something to add there on that? And remember, Scott Scott Drew also had to deal with the football scandal at Baylor with the sexual assault deal with, with Art Bryles. Right. He had to go through all that and the perception of what Baylor University was from a student-athlete perspective. Well, so even more so. The president gets taken down in that. The athletic director gets taken down in that. Everything's in upheaval, and yet they have held it together. And th- those images, again, on CBS of Homer Drew, his father, yeah. uh, the, the tremendous uh, integrity coach at Valparaiso, Bryce Drew, uh, who not only has been a coach but was a, was a player – uh, and a fantastic player at Valpo and a player in the NBA that went to the NBA all-star game and scored like 10,000 points in his NBA career. A lot of people don't realize that about uh, Bryce Drew. And now Scott Drew gets the national championship. It's not bad to be the Drews right about now uh, with all of this going on. Give me some more insight, historical perspective, and more, Matt Zimmick. Go ahead, launch. 
Well, you know, I'm from the West and I went to Seattle University. Now, a little, little tie in here with Seattle U and Gonzaga. They're both Jesuit schools in Washington State. Uh, you know, Seattle lost to uh, Adolph Rupp in Kentucky in the 1958 title game. <laughs> the last Baylor, the last Baylor national title game was 1948, which was Adolph Rupp's first national title at Kentucky. So Seattle U's in there. But to make the other point about Seattle U, you know, Gonzaga is like the Jesuit rival uh, in, on the other side of Washington State. And so, you know, I almost went to Gonzaga. I went to Seattle U, but I almost went to Gonzaga. So, you know, I've, I've wanted this program to succeed. And we need to have perspective on Gonzaga here. Go back to 2014. Gonzaga went through another unmemorable season. You know, Gonzaga's normal NCAA tournament season in 2014 was get a seven seed, beat a 10 seed in the first round, quietly leave uh, in the round of 32. You know, there were the upsets earlier in, in the early 2000s. Mark Few got to the Sweet 16 as a 12 seed in 2001. Uh, he got to the Sweet 16 as a, as a, uh, I believe, a six seed uh, or no, a 10 seed in the year 2000, you know, Gonzaga did bust some brackets, but Gonzaga had fallen into a rut where a seven seed and one NCAA tournament win was a normal season. And back then I was wondering, you know, Gonzaga, it, do you just want seven seeds uh, and early ex, uh, first weekend NCAA tournament exits every year? And then we saw in 2015, oh, a two seed got to the elite eight, lost to eventual national champion Duke. Mark Few found solutions through the transfer market, doing things a little bit differently, making adjustments in how he ran his program. And so the past six years, Gonzaga has found the, 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 its potential. Came up one step short tonight, as it did four years ago uh, against North Carolina. But Gonzaga is fulfilling its potential as a program. That's not something we could always say. And that has to be kept in mind. It's a this is a very first world problem for Gonzaga to have right now. Yeah, they have built an empire. They have clearly few has built an empire. They are they are now a brand where players want from all over the country to go play for them. Andrew Nimhard transferred if I can spit it out, transferred from the state where Jason and I live, Florida, to go all the way to Spokane, Washington, to play there. Uh, again, uh, Timmy left the state of Texas, and you don't think there was a little side uh, trash talk going on on the court between the Baylor guys and the guy that left Texas to go to Gonzaga? Suggs came from Minneapolis, Minnesota, as Deshaun was telling us on the Sunday show, one of the most heralded players out of the Midwest and out of Big Ten country in the last five years, and he goes to Gonzaga. That shows you what uh, and Mark Few was built. And again, Suggs was in tears at the end of the game. It's probably a one and done for him to go to the NBA. They got all the way to the title game. They didn't win it. A couple of other nuggets here on college basketball, coast to coast in the aftermath of the Baylor championship win uh, that are worthwhile for Jared Butler, 22 points and seven assists. He led Baylor in scoring. Again, they had four players in double figures. Butler becomes the first player in a championship game with 20 or more points and seven or more assists since hello, Carmelo Anthony in the Syracuse national championship win in 03. Baylor becomes the second ever team from the state of Texas to win the title. The famous Don Haskins glory road, Texas Western team, 1965 with uh, breaking the color barrier with an all black starting five, beating Lily white Kentucky that night. They've written books, made movies about it. That's the only other Texas national championship. Now they have two with Baylor getting the second one for the state. How about that? 
uh, for another note tonight. Jason, go ahead. I wonder with Mark Few, like back to Matt's point of he's done such an unbelievable job building this program. He's been there 20 years. You wonder if at some point does he does he say, you know what, I want to go to a blue bud program in a big five conference, whether it's the Pac-12 or whether it's the Big Ten, something like that, to really take my shot to, you know, take a shot. Not that they I think they can win a national championship at Gonzaga, but the, the stigma, like Deshaun says, is always going to be there on selection Sundays. They don't play in a great conference. You just wonder if one at one point in his career is Mark Few going to say, I want to go to a to an Ohio State or to a Michigan or a or Arizona, you know, one of those kind of an Arizona who could have an opening here at some point to try to do it that way. In fairness, he's had opportunities. He was, he had several different jobs uh, and Deshaun yep. knows this, Matt knows this too. He had several jobs throwing four or 5 million a year at him. And, and he has yep. been content to make the three or 4 million and stay at Gonzaga and build the empire that he's built in a conference where they are the premier team and are almost guaranteed of having an automatic bid every year. So you really wonder uh, if that will be the case. All right, something fun for the entire panel here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. What is up with the Indianapolis mojo Did uh, with, with against undefeated teams? Did Bobby Knight and Quinn Buckner, and by the way, Jason Powers went to grad school in Bloomington, Indiana. He is currently wearing an Indiana shirt right now on the program. He wishes he was where you are, Deshaun Tate, and in the Circle City uh, for this but I mean, did they nail the the figurative lid on the unbeaten season that now three times UNLV and Kentucky and Gonzaga have come to Indianapolis and none of them have been able to do what Indiana did 45 years ago in 1976? Deshaun, do you buy it on the mojo? What is up? I don't know. That is a very interesting stat. I'm not sure. I, so many different things happen to change. That's what's always got me curious. The weather changes. Me and you was just talking about that with Ari just the other day. And, you know, teams change and players change and rotate sometimes, but not always coaches change. But some things just never change. And I don't know. That's just one of those weird things. I don't know. Try being a Detroit Lion fan all of your life for crying out loud. It gets much (laughs) worse. Trust me. I don't think they've won a playoff game since uh, Baylor was last in the final four, I think, or at least uh, a road playoff game, uh, something like that. But yeah, Matt Zimmick, uh, what is it about the final four? A team gets unbeaten, a team gets to Gonzaga. I mean, I I fully confess, and I put it on social media, I believed Gonzaga was going to do it and was going to join Indiana, and I could not have been more wrong. And now I am more convinced than ever that we may not see anybody do this if Gonzaga couldn't pull it off in 2021. Well, you know, in my bracket, and I don't like to talk about my bracket because it was a total disaster, but one thing I did get right is that I didn't, I thought Gonzaga would lose in the title game. And that's because I'm, I'm riding with history in terms of you want to lose before the NCAA tournament. So with this result, UCLA 1995 won 13 games before the 1995 NCAA tournament. So with the six wins, won 19 games in a row to close out the 1995 national title. So no team has won 20 or more in a row to win the national title since Indiana in 1976. And I, I believe in that idea of the palate cleanser and the idea of you want to have at least one punch to the gut. You want to have that knowing that if things go wrong at the start of a game, as they did for Gonzaga in this game against Baylor, you know what it's like. 
and Gonzaga, you know, the, the UCLA game was tough, but it was like, it was always close. It was just kind of back and forth, but Gonzaga had never been gut punched and bum rushed the way it was against Baylor. You want to have at least one moment during a season in which, you know, everything has gone wrong to the point of losing. So I believed in that before the tournament and well, I'm set. I'm definitely going to believe in that set. the next time we come around uh, at this juncture. And, and we should say that in the West Coast Conference Championship yes. game, they were losing at halftime, and BYU had shot like 70% from the floor, was up by double figures. So there was adversity there, but Gonzaga reversed that and won. But still, the overall point is a great one. That's amazing that you got to go back to UCLA to the last time that somebody won that many games in a row before the tournament and won the tournament. It tells you how tough it is. Deshaun, you had your hand up. Here's Mr. Tate's take again with another take with a few minutes left. Go ahead. This one a little understanding, or I guess overstanding, if you will. So so essentially what you're saying, though, Matt, is what do you do? Do you go out there to try and throw a game on purpose so that you know what it feels like to lose? Because I'm not really sure I understand the mentality. Yeah, so you just you you tell your backups to play as hard as possible. <laughs> and that's how you do it. And there are two there are two very specific examples of this. Kentucky in 1996 in the SEC tournament final against uh, Mississippi State, and then against Vanderbilt in the 2012 SEC title tournament title game. Kentucky was riding very long winning streaks. I think it was 26 in 96 and something like 24 in 2012. And Calipari in 2012 and Patino in 1996, they did not necessarily coach to lose, but they didn't go all out. Like they, they, you know, in Kentucky where thoroughbred racing is king, they lightened up on the the saddle, lightened up on the reins. Uh, And so those were two examples of coaches really not going all out to win, not necessarily trying to lose, but not going all out to win. And both of those Kentucky teams then blew out the field in those subsequent sure. NCAA tournaments, they were mentally refreshed. So I do constantly refer to those two examples. Well, and again, nobody's saying go out trying to lose, but what Matt is also saying is not the worst thing in the world if you do lose, and it refocuses your team because they are college players after all. we got about three minutes left. One more thought or two uh, on wrapping this thing up. Jason, go ahead. You got something else? Yeah, just the, the one thing also to remember, guys, we all know this, the parity in college basketball the last 15 years is incredible. When Indiana won it in 76, there wasn't nowhere near the parity that there is now where we've had so many 11 seeds go to the Final Four. We've got the the George Masons, the VCUs, those kind of people. Uh, UCLA being an 11 seed, that was unthinkable in 1976 that UCLA would be an 11 seed. So the parity in basketball and college hoops these days is is what I think will prevent that from happening from a team going undefeated for quite some time. That's a good point that you make on that. And keep in mind for the 76 Indiana team, they didn't have a conference tournament. The Big Ten didn't always play a conference tournament. And they had one less tournament game as well. There were 48 teams and there was a bye for the, for the upper echelon teams that year. So they played one less Thir- game. 32 teams. 32. So they didn't, they didn't use the bye even in 76. Uh, so that, that should be noted uh, too. Couple of minutes left. We should also address, too, a bravo to Dan Gavitt and everybody with the NCAA that put the tournament on from an operations standpoint, including the women's tournament that Stanford won. Bravo, bravo on this because we got through not one but two tournaments with only one hiccup, uh, and that came uh, in the Iowa 
or I'm sorry, in the Oregon VCU game, that was the only hiccup with Virginia Commonwealth. Bravo. We got here. Deshaun, a quick final comment. Thankfully, we did get here. You even got around the Final Four in Indianapolis and soaked up some of the atmosphere real quick. Yeah, I did. And I appreciate it. If you guys are thinking that Mark Few and Gonzaga is going anywhere anytime soon, that's not going to happen. I have a really, really good feeling that this unicorn that reminds me much of Chris Stapp's Przingis uh, is going to end up committing named Chet Holmgren, the number one player in next year's class. I think he's going to commit to Gonzaga yet to wow. be confirmed. And by the way, uh, we definitely got to put it into this less than 30 minutes from the national championship game ending. By the way, here's your way to early top 25 for next year. Those stories have to stop. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. And so maybe the number one player in the country, a seven footer ends up going there. Is, About a minute left. Yes, Jason. Is Dan, is Dan Gavitt going to have uh, going to have Gonzaga on a plane tonight at one thirty, like he did to Oregon State? <laughs> I don't think so. Are they going to let I him stay the night? Remember, remember, they had many more teams to deal with. They only got two I teams know. to deal with this time. I, I think it's a good point, Matt. A final thought. I got less than a minute left. A final thought on getting this tournament in and Baylor being the champs. Well, you know, Baylor. I think you know this is a pandemic season. I think that COVID pause while having a, a, a negative effect on Baylor in the short term, might've given Baylor like yep. a long-term perspective. Obviously the timing was good. You know, if, if it was timed uh, a few weeks later, Baylor might not have fully ramped up in time to hit its stride at the right time. But boy, did they hit it again on Monday night, April the 5th, there was no perfection for Gonzaga. Instead, it was for the Baylor Bears. My thanks to Matt Zimmick. Find him on Twitter at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K. Deshaun Tate, Tate's Takes uh, is the podcast and show. Tate's Take, Tate's Take Hoops on Twitter. Jason Powers, JPO Sports. Jason Powers with the Powers on Sports podcast. Guys, thank you. Great stuff tonight. Again, we thank you for being with us late night. Baylor the champs over Gonzaga. We'll come back later on Tuesday with one final recap of the Baylor win, denying Gonzaga the unbeaten season. For now, we are done. The Bears sick them on a Monday night in Indianapolis to win a national title. Thank you for being with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast.